0: No obligations, a free chat just by mentioning Unfiltered. Galaxyfinance.com.au is where you can find them. Welcome back to Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the legend series with Chris Walker. The story continues. South Sydney for 2003, sadly that lasted just five games what's the story here so much was said at the time <laughs> so much was made of it at the time. what's the real story to such a short stay?
1: well again like, and this is no you know South Sydney had just been re-entered into the comp yep. the Broncos you do you know they do everything for you they South offered me the world and gave me half an atlas um, yeah I was promised I was promised a few little, few things that never happened. Um, so I was a little bit disgruntled about that and then it just got to the point where I wasn't enjoying my football I wasn't enjoying anything except for well I wasn't enjoying anything and wow. you know when you make that decision to, to leave and we had a we had a team meeting that wasn't about losing because I, I'd started my career losing nine games in a row so mm. winning's winning's fun and winning's enjoyable and winning is awesome there was a lot of underlying things that people didn't see you know like I said um, promises to me that weren't fulfilled. Yep. And I just said to my brother Shane, because Shane signed with South to come down with me. And um, Paul Langmack said, listen, had a, we had a team meeting and Lang has said, if anyone wants to leave, if you don't like the club, if you don't like the coaching, um, leave. And I I just stood up straight away and said, "Right, oh well, if you're a man of your word, I'm, I'm out. I'm not going to stay here and just collect all this money. Mm. And, you know, I could have faked an injury and sat in the sideline for 10 weeks, but that wasn't my go. I... I went in, I spoke to my manager on the way out, and I said, listen, um, if I've got to give all the money back, and they're not going to give me a payout, well, then they can go spend that on their juniors, or spend it on, on buying another player, I'm not going to hinder them, mm. um, so I thought I did the right right thing, because I wasn't happy, people leave their jobs all the time, and it's amazing, because the people that were slinging shit at me, they're the ones that have had about four or five jobs, because they don't like them in a year, yeah. um, so that that was a little bit hard to take, but like Wayne Bennett said, if you end up if you end up listening to the people sitting in the grandstand, you end up sitting with them. So that yeah. was one of the things he did say. <laughs> I, was at the, I was at the Roosters when he said that to me. Sorry. I was at the Roosters when he said that to me. And he goes, because I was having a bit of a hard time. And yeah, my football wasn't to a standard where I needed it to be. And I rang Wayne and I said, mate, I'm, you know, again, those things where you said, oh, do you hear the crowd? Mm. If you want to hear them, you'll hear them. But if you block them out, want to block them out and stay focused on the game, you won't even hear them. And unfortunately, my head wasn't in the game and I'd, I'd be hearing because being on the wing, you could you could hear everything yeah. if you wanted to. And it was starting to affect me because I was getting death threats and all that sort of stuff. And then I rang Wayne. I said, Wayne, I need some advice. And he said, mate, it was probably the best piece of advice I've ever got. He said, if you end up listening to the people sitting in the crowd, he said, you'll end up being a spectator with them, mm. which is so true
0: from the Rabbitohs to the Roosters. They've been rivals, bitter rivals, since 1908. You switched clubs, anything but smooth. Sadly, you really saw the ugly side of rugby league, the ugly side of society as well, with threats and bullshit that, quite frankly and simply, no one should have to go through.
1: And thank God it was before social media. So, you know, and, and this is another thing, Andy, like, for people who listen, you know, that you've obviously got a good audience. For for people who think that they have the right to abuse someone because they play sport, they switch it off and go go out there and train yourself like these players do. They don't go out there to purposely make mistakes. Correct. And that was one thing with me. And that's one thing that Wayne said to me. He goes, he said, "Because that that rattled me as well." I said, "Mate, I, I don't know." Because there were there were times, and I didn't know about the rivalry. Because I'm from Queensland, I never knew, and I never really watched football because well, I grew up without a TV. I had no TV for 12 years mm. in my household, which was the greatest thing ever, um, because I actually got to talk to my brothers and communicate, um, but in my family. Um, and, and it's amazing too. Like, like for for someone, obviously this is before social media, so they couldn't just pick up a phone and type in something they actually these guys actually sat down and wrote death threats um and it was it was very rattling I, you know i didn't sign up to play football to have someone tell me that they're going to kill me and it happened i think there's i think there was about five or five or eight letters that were sent to me from different people so you know again i picked up the phone you now it's my family spoke to my dad my mum. spoke to my brothers spoke to wayne wayne said listen no one's he said, don't worry about it, Chris. And he said, no one's gonna write a letter to you and tell you they're gonna kill you, then they're gonna kill you. He said, yeah. it's the ones that don't write to you, they're the ones you're gonna watch. I said, thanks, Wayne. So yeah, there were, I mean, there were times where i you know, there was one game in particular that I shit I was shit myself, and I just received a death threat about someone saying they were gonna kill me at the game. And when you're playing and you're playing on the wing it was it was weird because every time I got the ball, I felt like someone was going to shoot it. Like, no one would, but to have that in your head yeah. every time. And then, obviously, back then you could walk out of the stadium and there's just thousands of fans. Now they're pretty protected from the fans and all that sort of stuff. But as soon as you walk out of that stadium, yeah, you know, the fans are right there. So, you know, I didn't know if I was going to be stabbed on the way to the car or all that sort of stuff. So, but, I mean, that's, I shouldn't say it's all part pass, but unfortunately, society, um, you know, generate degenerates like yeah. that, and yeah, you know, it's not cool. The football players now, and in, in all sports, they deal with it a lot better than what they do because they have to. Mm. Um, with social media and how powerful social media, everyone's on social media. But you know, the people watching and listening to this, um, yeah, if you if you got nothing to say, don't say anything at all.
0: Hundred percent. The crazy thing is, whilst all this is happening off the field and going through your head, in your 47 games with the Roosters, your football was on point. Grand Finals in 03 and 04. Ben Finch on an inside path. Unfortunately, though, losses to the Panthers and the Bulldogs in successive years. For some, they haven't watched their losing games back and it still haunts them. Others are able to move on. Which is it for you?
1: Um, I, mean, I mean, I'm at peace with myself. So if it is on, I'll watch it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a very, 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 very bitter pill to sw- swallow when you when you lose a grand final. Um, I wish I had a 1-1. I never got the opportunity mm. to, but... I look back and go, you know what, I had the opportunity to play in two. Um, like I said, guys can go through 15 years of their career and never right. even play in a semi-final, let alone two grand finals. It's not – It's not. Uh, that's probably my comfort that I get out of it. Yep. Um, I would have had a really nice comfy blanket over the top of me if there was a premiership ring on my finger. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm in a place right now where – you know, if, if both games were on, I'd sit there and watch them because I'm I'm s- such in a happy place within myself that, um, you know, I can, you know, watch them and, and you know, go right out. It's a point in history. It's time. I can't change it. I'll never be able to play another grand final. Even though if Broncos get there, I might be able to ring Kevy and see if I can get a start. But, <laughs> um, yeah, but, you know, that's, yeah you know, I'm just in a, in a place now where I could, you know, I could happily watch them and, and move on.
0: Again, I'm out of order on our timeline a little bit, but, where did you play your best footy? You reckon which club? What year? Because from where I sit, I would say Broncos uh, in two thousand, maybe the Roosters 03, early oh four. Um, that's where you probably had the most stability as well. Yeah, it was, and I mean,
1: those two clubs I, I really enjoy watching today. Like I enjoy watching my rugby league. I obviously. I'm a Broncos fan. I love the Bronx. Um, I've got a, I've got an interest at the Roosters at the moment with Sam playing, um, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but I I actually really enjoyed my time at, at Titans in in '09. Obviously, again I had a couple of set. I'll I'll jump forward. Um, we had a couple of setbacks in, in '07 uh, with a couple of with with one incident on the drink at the Roost at the Titans. Yep. Um, where I spent three weeks in rehab. With
0: alcohol and and, um, anxiety. Hello, legends. I hope you're enjoying this edition of Andy Raymond Unfiltered. Would you like to be part of our team? Our sponsorship packages are ready to go. From scripted ads to website placement and social media promotions, personal appearances, voice recordings, and more, the opportunities are limited only by your imagination. You set the terms. Unfiltered is reaching hundreds of thousands of potential clients every single week and we cater to businesses both big and small. We'll work with you to guarantee you get exactly what you want, how you want and when you want. If you're interested, go to our website and hit the sponsorship tab at andyraymondunfiltered.com.au. Now back to the interview.
1: Um, virtually sat out that whole year or was suspended for 17 weeks by the club. Mm. Um, fine, 50 grand or whatever, I was fine, which is all my contract virtually <laughs> back in those days. Um, snapped my Achilles, missed out the 2008 season, which, gave, which also then gave me um, a bit of time to reflect on me and train a little bit harder and get myself out of the comfort zone because I virtually had to learn how to walk again and then. Um, I trained my ass off the hole in 2000. I knew that 2008 was a write-off. Yep. Um, and I really enjoyed my football in 2009 with the with the Titans. Um, I had the opportunity of signing, but then I, I got a good deal to go over to the Catalan Dragons yep. and then finish off an absolute debacle season with Parramatta.
0: Mate, I'm <laughs> going to take you back, and I, I don't yep. think we can skip it. Uh, Melbourne, yep. just the seven games. Uh, this was 2006. Wrong fit, wrong environment wrong time of your life or just wasn't meant to be.
1: All all of the above. Um I in 2005 uh Ricky had enough for me because we were sitting last. Ricky was on the outer. Um I had a I had a meeting with with Russell Crowe mm. and Peter Holmes of Court early 2005 when this is a cool story. I had um Ben and Shane were both playing for South Sydney. I was playing for Roosters and I got a phone call from Shane, my brother, and he goes, what are you doing on Sunday? I will let us Roosters players probably sit at the Sheaf or maybe down at Ravisi's on the piss. Yeah, He goes, no, mate. He said, um, 12.30, Fingerwolf, wallamaloo So what are we doing? He goes, Russell wants to meet us. This is on the Wednesday or Thursday. I said, fuck, what do you ever want to meet him with me for? He goes, I don't know. Just be there. Anyway, so we rocked up, walked over, had a meet, walked, Got ushered up into his unit at Fingerwolf, and um, walked in. Met there by one of his minions. Anyway, sent it, he sent us into uh, the office. So there's me, Ben, and Shane walked into the office. We weren't allowed to take managers. We weren't allowed to take partners. It was just strictly me, Ben, and Shane. Yeah. Anyway, walked in into this amazing library at, at Russell's apartment. There's four apartments on one. One floor, he converted them into his whole house. One was a living quarters for whoever was working there or his mate or his you know, kindergarten teacher for the kid. I don't know. But we were sitting there and we walked in and uh, Peter Holmes of Court was sitting in the room. And I didn't even know who really Peter Holmes of Court was yeah. at the time. Um, Peter Holmes of Court's assistant, Russell, and his assistant. And we walked in, sat down on these big leather couches. Like it was something out of a scene of a movie. It was so rad. And uh, we walked in, and we got talking, and you know, started with a small talk, and, and then Russell said, "Right, I what what we're about to talk about, um, in these four walls, boys, doesn't leave the room because no one knows about it except for Peter, these guys behind us, the assistants, our solicitor. So in total, there's probably about eight or ten people that know about it. So whatever we talk about stays here." I was like, "Right, this is this is going to be cool." Anyway. So he goes, right, we're, we want to take over South Sydney. We want to take over the bid for South Sydney. Um, and then got talking about the plan and all that sort of stuff. And Wow. Um, I sort of put up my hand. I said, that's great. Um, Russell, I said, where do I fit in? I said, I'm playing at the Roosters. And he said, well, the reason why we want you boys here is because we want to make South Sydney a family club. like. You know, back in the day there was gangsters hanging around the joint, yep. all that sort of stuff. Um, he goes, We wanna we wanna clean the image up. He said, We you know, I respect George B like did not say a bad word about the guys who own the club, loved them because of what they'd done. And mm. yeah, you know, he spoke very, very highly of them, which I thought was very classy, him and Peter. But he said, You know, we wanna we just wanna take this. He goes, This is my beloved souse. I just wanna take this. I wanna use what I've got. He said, I wanna, I wanna know. He goes. The reason why we got here, you guys. He said, "I want to buy you back, making a family club." You guys that he used to call us the Walker Corporation, <laughs> and um, and and then he and then he like he's like he's such a cool dude. Like yeah. like I, I don't care what anyone says about Russell Crowe. I'm a massive fan of him. I didn't sign at the time, but I'm still a fan of what he's just a like. He was a genuine guy, like a real genuine stand up bloke, and. And has done so much for rugby league and South. Mm. And I and I'd just left South. So he could have thrown me to the curb. And it was amazing. Like we sat there for, for hours and talking about the Broncos. Broncos was 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 number one. Like he 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 picked our brains about the Broncos and how well they're run, how they're run, what makes them appealing to players to go to. Like it was it was a full, like it was a full it was a full. Session of of information like we spitballed so much and we got so oh, wow. and and then we and then got talking about the roosters and you know the appeal of the roosters and whatnot and it was amazing like we were saying like you know you know, the thing the thing about South at the time like no one wanted to go there the, the culture wasn't that great um, you know there were things there like at, at the Bronx you know we were we were having two week training camps in Fiji. Um and I and that's what, and I I said to him like, when I was at, when I was at South I said yeah things weren't done for me that that was supposed to be done, um so automatically I know, fifteen other players in fifteen other clubs and they ask me about South so I go fuck I was promised this and and, and delivered an atlas, so the the talk amongst the players was if you want to go to if you want to go to South, take the take the crucifix with you because. Yep. That's the end. Um, it wasn't an enjoyable club. So we, like we, we went through a vast range of information. Like it was, it was a, it was a real brain picking exercise. Wow. Yeah, it was so cool. And then, and then, um, I think they. It wasn't until maybe November that they got the rights to, um, or might have been the next year. I, I, I've, I've, I've got to try and clarify that in my head. But, um, I, I. Parted ways with the Roosters, and Russell rang me and said, "Mate, right? Okay, so you're coming to us." He, and I said, "Well, what's the go with the bid?" And he goes, "Well, we haven't got the bid over the line yet." Yeah. So I held off for as long as I could, and I and I didn't really tell Chris or my manager at the time because I didn't want to tell him and then get out to the media and all that sort of stuff. So I sort of kept it to me and Russell and my brothers. And Shane's like, "Listen, yeah." And then Ben came out, and they did a for and against the George Pigan regime and now the Russell Crowe. So it was all out there. Like and then and then my manager goes, What are you doing? And I'm like, well, Russell wants me to sign with the with the South Sydney, but he hasn't had the successful takeover bid yet. And then Ori's in my ear, he's like, mate, Melbourne wanna sign you, Melbourne wanna sign you. What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm like, hang on, just and I was I held right off to the 11th hour. Um, and then I spoke to Russell and I said, Mate, what's going on? Have you got the bid? Have you been successful? So he was keeping me updated with that because he wanted me to come back. And then it got to the point where I said, Russ, mate, Melbourne, Melbourne are the only, really the only team now that want to sign me and they're about to pull out. And he said, Well, if that's the case, and you know, I tell you not to sign and we don't get it, well, then you're out without a club. So I had that, I had that decision to make. And and to his credit, he goes, Whatever you. Whatever I think he said, whatever you do, Chris we will remain friends. That's and right. yeah. and I, then I rang Warren and I said, "Mate, what's going on?" He goes, "Mate, Bruce, um, Melbourne have got the shits with you." And fuck, after after the way I played, they really did have the shits with me in two thousand six. <laughs> but yeah, and then and then just got to the point, and I just rang Russell. I said, "Mate, listen, I've I've been told I've got to sign today," and he goes, "Listen, sign," and then I think. Maybe two months later, they, they took over the bid mm-hmm. and they got the bid, which I which I, in hindsight, I probably should have held out and stayed and, and signed. And, but he bought me a nice Rolex for me from a meeting, so I was happy about that. Still got it on in,
0: in hindsight, it might be easy to say, yeah, I, I, I did the wrong thing. Was it just the wrong fit or the wrong environment in Melbourne um, at the time?
1: Yeah. Down at Melbourne, mate, I'd, um, obviously the girl that I'd left Brisbane for, again, thinking with the wrong head, um, me and her were on the ropes. Um, big time. I was, I was George Foreman in the Rumble of the Jungle, and she was Muhammad Ali. Um, she was living in Sydney. I was living in Melbourne. <laughs> um, and mate, I, to be brutally brutally honest with you, I, I was down away from my family. I've never, I'd never been away from any of my brothers yeah. or my family. And we, and anyone who knows us, we're as close as any family that I've ever met. And not to have those guys down there, I was homesick. I was extremely homesick. I was drinking so much alcohol. It was ridiculous. I was going to training drunk. I was going to games drunk. And you know, I, I'd had a really good relationship with Craig Bellamy at the Broncos because he was our assistant coach. Like, really, really good relationship. Like, they really, like would play golf once or twice a week, him and I.
0: This episode is brought to you by our wonderful sponsors, Galaxy Finance. Sponsors and personal friends that I trust, that I trust enough to go to with questions about my own finances. That's not a sales pitch, that's fact. Any questions, any queries, they have the solutions from home loan lending to complete financial planning. With official interest rates at an all-time low, the lenders want your business. With Galaxy Finance, they'll do all the work for you and find the best possible deal. They'll do it all. Get in contact, ask for Leanne, and mention Unfiltered for a free chat. A free chat. No obligations. A free chat just by mentioning Unfiltered. Galaxyfinance.com.au is where you can find them.
1: But he seen that change in me and just went, you know what, Walks, if you're not going to change, I don't want you to club. And then he sacked me with, I think, three or four games to go in the season because I turned up, my, my grandfather had just died and I, I just got on the drink down there and I was supposed to go to the game in Sydney. I just got blind and football was the furthest thing. Um, football was um, was the furthest thing um, from my mind. It was a, It was... I was at, you know, I was, a you know, just broke up with my partner mm. um, at the time, and yeah, you know, things, were things were just looking, you know, me, me drinking. I was out of control. I was doing shit that I, I shouldn't have been doing. And anyway, he just sacked me. And it, was, it was, it was a relief. It was like a, like a massive big weight was lifted off my shoulder when I had walk. I remember walking into his office, and he said, "Mate, I don't want you." And I said, "Well, so yeah, well, my, um, you know, well, Craig, I don't want to be here." And I walked out and walked, I, I. Um, drove home, um, got my gear. I was living with Mick Crocker at the time. Mick goes, "What are you doing?" I said, "Take me to the airport, please." He goes, "Yeah, right. I no worries." He said, "When are you back?" I said, "Never." And I just packed up my, I left, I left all my shit in Melbourne and packed a bag and moved back to the Gold Coast, live with mum and dad, and then um, mate, the blessing in the skies was was meeting my partner. It was meeting Courtney in two thousand and six. I'd known Courtney since I was fifteen, and we sort of rekindled. What we had, and then, um, and, then oh, and then that was the end of 2006. And yeah, you know, I came back, and I was I was still in that mindset of fuck the world, and yeah, you know, I'll, I'll do whatever I want. you know, drinking at mum and dad's, and and then um, and then Courtney came along, and Chris Orr said to me, "Wait, what are you doing?" I said, "I'm retiring. I don't want to play football anymore. I'm done." And then he goes, "You sure?" He goes, "The Gold Coast Titans are about to start." And then I said to him, what's the deal with that? And he goes, oh, well, Cardi, John Cartwright's up here as coach, uh, Michael Searle's CEO. So I knew Cardi from a Roosters days. He was our assistant coach. Of course. And I said to Cardi, I rang Cardi. Cardi Cardi didn't mind. He was like, yeah, okay, yeah, sort of. Obviously, because I'd just been sacked by, I'm not sacked, Hmm. but parted ways with the Roosters a year before. Um, and he was still assistant coach. And then Michael Searle, I remember Chris Orr, I said, Oh, we'll ring Searle. see what you, I'll get back into some training, I'll get back into shape. They don't start training for another three months. Anyway, he um he rang Searle. Surly flat out just went, No, no way. Don't even want it. don't want wouldn't touch him with a ten foot pole. But don't, don't want him. he'd never met me. Searle had never met me. So um I got I got um Ori, I got back into a bit of training. And I was feeling really good again. And I rang Sir I rang ori and I said, Ori, ring Surly again, see if they want me, because they'd, they'd seen me training and see me and Cardi had seen me and I was looking all right. I was getting back in some shape. Mm. And then Surly said blatantly no. So then I rang him and he didn't answer. So I left a message and I did that about twenty times. I was just persistent with him because I knew I back, I knew if I backed myself, then they'd give me a go. Yep. And then um and then Surly just got on the phone and he said, walk, stop ringing me. I'm not even interested. Don't worry. We were like a bit rude to me. And I, was, well, I could have went, oh, well, okay, well, i have done. I'll go find a job at a painter or concrete or whatever. Anyway, so then I, instead of ringing him 20 times, I rang him 30 times and then he still wouldn't go. And then I, I knew where the office is and I drove up there. I sat in the front because I just backed myself and yeah. sat in the office and the um, Jade at the front, she goes, who are you here to see? I said, here to see Michael. So she walked in. Oh, Chris Walker's here. She came back and said, Michael's not here. I said, okay. Come back the next day. I'm here to see Michael. Chris Walker, not here. And then he <laughs> it just got to the point where I rocked up that many times. He gave me an opportunity to go in and talk to him. And then he goes, right I walked. He said, okay, we'll give you a go. But then the worst thing we could have done, again, looking back at things, um, when I did sign, they put a drinking ban on me um, that went public. Yep. We, we should have kept that in-house. And I'm not blaming them. I'm blaming myself. Um, played, played, uh, Trained the house down, got a start, scored the first try in the trial, kicked the goal in the trial against Melbourne, mm. and then um, kept on training really well. They put me on a contract. And then uh, we played St George round one, scored the first try, kicked goal. We got beaten. I broke my, broke my thumb. I was out for six weeks. And I'd been really good. And I thought, oh, right, I'll go to my mate's birthday party. I'll have a few beers. And one bloke. And then we, then we went into town. And I was fine. And then I walked past a bloke and bumped into him. And he spilled his drink. And then he got up the next morning and emailed John Cartwright saying that I was blind. I was out. And mm. I couldn't defend myself. And then I went into rehab. And... I was there for three years, and like, um, um, Titans were a good club. Like, they, you know, they're, they're on, their, on on their way up. Yep. and we had like, we had a we had a pretty good club back then. There was a good culture back then. So, um, and then I snapped my Achilles. Two thousand and nine, played in the semis against, mm. Para, got beaten, and yeah, and then I went over overseas.
0: You spoke about Para just then. You also spoke about Para earlier. Does that leave a bad taste in your mouth? Two thousand and eleven. I think you described it earlier as a debacle.
1: It was a debacle. Um, again, I had my earth-moving business happening up here um, yeah. on the Gold Coast, so that was my exit strategy from football. So I see, see too many. I was seeing too many regular league players once they finished their last game, had no idea what they were going to do, yep. um, and they and most football players. Um, when they get their last payment they fall off a cliff because they're getting good part they're getting good money and they haven't thought about what they're going to do uh, after football I, I, I identified it when I was about 27 so I had about four or five years in my head left to go to play rugby league so I started an mm-hmm. earth moving business unfortunately during the downturn it was downturned as well so but I had some very very good years um, doing my earth moving and I was making more money um, than I was I was making more money than the top players um, wow. were on per year per month um, with my earth moving. So it just got to a point halfway through the year. I was living in Sydney. The earth moving company was up here, and I just went home one day. drove in Drove into the uh, driveway. Said to Courtney my wife, we had three young kids living at Concord. And at three thirty, I walked inside, and I just had enough. I just knew because. My business was like I'd, I'd go to on my way to training. I'd be on the phone to the guys, yeah. organizing work. Yep. I'd go train for two hours. I'd come off. I have I'd have thirty missed calls, and then I'd because I was running it from from Sydney, and it, all the work was in southeast Queensland. And then I'd have to finish my training. I'd still be in my boots, and then I'd be returning phone calls to clients and, and business and 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 my workers or my supervisors. Mm-hmm. And then I'd be on the phone for another two hours. Then I'd go back out and train, come back on 30 missed calls. And then, so it just become, for me, rugby league was was a hindrance. So yeah. I drove home, got to a point where I just drove home. like, you know, I've, I've had enough now. I'm done. I thought I had enough in 2006, but this is a different feeling. And pulled up, walked inside, said to my wife, Courtney, I'm retiring. She goes, we've only got five more games left. Let's wait till the end of the year. I so, said, no, get the kids ready, get the car packed up. While we're packing the car up, um, I'll call the removalist. Call the removalist. We packed the car up. and I drove, left at 7 o'clock at night, got into the Gold Coast at 5 o'clock in the morning, and then rang, rang Mooks and said, I'm, not, I'm retiring. He goes, come in and talk to me. I said, he goes, come in to train this morning and talk to me. I said, mate, too late. I'm in, on the Gold Coast. He said, what would you fight last night? I said, no, I drove all the way up. (laughs) That was it. So, yeah, I've I've had a good career. I've had a colourful career. I wouldn't change too much, but, yeah, I had fun.
0: You got through to 2011. Were there times where it all became too much, the pressure, the scrutiny, the rules, the lifestyle, the spotlight, where you just wanted to walk away but your love of rugby league, in essence, kept bringing you and dragging you back?
1: In 2008, when I snapped my Achilles, I, I'd had enough. Like also, like, but then I thought to myself because, and then I walked into the team doctor, and I was 28 years of age, just turned 20, oh, just turned 28. I walked into the team doctor. It was after the second time I snapped my Achilles because I snapped it five months prior to the second time, and I walked in. And he goes, "Mate, you're 28. You should retire." And that that sentence right there sparked me to go, "Fuck you." Yeah. Sorry about swearing. Fuck you! I'm going to prove you wrong. Yep. I'm going to come back and I'm going to play first grade, and then that inspired me. And then, you know, it it just got to the like I said, the business for me sealed my deal for rugby league. I love rugby league, and I miss the scrutiny and I miss the baggings and all that because I actually quite enjoyed. Yeah. After talking to Wayne and and once he put it into that perspective of when people give you a hard time
0: yeah.
1: they're they're people who have never done what you've done and who cares what they think because mm-hmm. they'll say something to you it'll roll off their tongue and as soon as it's out of their tongue they'll turn to the next person and give them a hard time yeah. and they'll forget even what you have said so why worry or why let that person say what they said worry or ruin your next? half an hour, hour or day, week, a month, whatever. So that, I, I quite enjoy like, – I miss that part. I miss the, the people giving me a hard time. It's weird. I'm a weirdo. Walker's on.
0: Walker's on. Walker's on. Pass it on, Hodjo. Hodjo, Walker's on. Watch Walker. Can you let them says- know that Walker's on the field? Yeah, I didn't. I <laughs> Does it still haunt you? Nathan Brown's words. Yeah. Mate, I, I <laughs> mate,
1: it's so cool because my kids are, my twins are eleven and my daughter, my eldest is thirteen, and they piss themselves every time someone says it. So it's <laughs> it's actually it, it it was getting a, a real drain on me. Oh, um, but when your kids now understand what it's all about, yeah. it's reinvigorated it. It's made it's got a real cool feeling to it now. It's got a real cool meaning to it. It's something that. Yeah, I can show my kids and they can, you know, be be proud of that moment because, you know, for eighty minutes of football the whole state was worried
0: about what I was doing. Mm. Did we see the best of you, Chris? No. Nah. Does that haunt you? Does it piss you off? Is it something you you're uncomfortable with?
1: No, I I'm not uncomfortable with I'm not uncomfortable with that because that's me. I um yeah, you know, I, I look at I look at Sam now running around for the Roosters. Yes. He's he's only scratching the surface. I wish that um, I wish him all the best. I know he's I know he's going to be great, but yeah, it doesn't. It, I I don't think I don't I, probably the probably the thing that haunts me the most is not being consistent year in year out. Okay, that's the thing that haunts me. Like I loved my two thousand, my two thousand one, two thousand three, two thousand four. 2003 as well. But yeah, 2001, two, three, and four. Yep. I really enjoyed those years. 2005, six, seven, and eight were blackouts. Nine was a good year. Ten was a debacle, and eleven was a debacle. So mm-hmm. I like I I know that you know, I know that at 31 I could have mixed it with the with the with the thing, but. If I didn't have the business and and what it was taking and the energy it was taking away from my preparation and my game, and I'm not using that as an excuse because, yeah, that was that was my that was my income, that was my core business. And if I didn't have that, well, then I probably would have put more into my footy and stayed down and played until I was 33, 34. But consistency was is, is the biggest bugbear for me looking back at my career.
0: Those like me that saw you close up, we marvelled at your speed your balance your athleticism and wished we'd have seen more now most that see you close up see the man you've become see how you've changed how you've matured how you're setting an example for me that's of far greater importance chris walker you sir are a legend
1: thanks andy thank you very much for having me um and stay cool everyone thank you very much
0: We hope you're enjoying this edition of Andy Raymond Unfiltered. The Legends series drops at the start of your working week. It's in-depth, personal and highlights some of the game's finest from yesteryear. The Weekly Wodge drops in time for your weekend. It's full on and the hottest podcast on the market. Why listen to opinions when you can listen to interviews with the stars? And on every episode, you can hear up to a dozen different players and coaches, both past and present, giving their thoughts on the great game. It's fast-paced, full of footy and laughs. It's a must-listen. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening. That way, you won't miss a thing every episode will drop immediately. Before you go, we'd love a five-star rating and review. It's not for ego, it's for business, as we look to expand the unfiltered brand and bring you more. Make sure you come back soon. Legends.